0: Well, I'd like to thank Tim for taking my whole sermon. <laughs> so I'm just going to take these and just kind of put them aside. Uh, we're going to do something today that Pastor's not really kind of. He, he doesn't like shooting from the hip. Guess what we're going to do today? I'm kidding. No, I got him right here. <laughs> so if Pastor is listening, I know he just went... <gasps> It's funny because I kept looking down and looking for pastors to say, "Okay, cut it, cut it. Too many songs. Stop. But he wasn't there. So I just kept going. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, You know, it's funny how God just really puts everything together, how he brings just his whole service together. Well. I mean it's like saying, when you go out to eat, do you do you go somewhere where you don't like to eat? No. So when God wants his service, when he wants us to be in his presence, he prepares for us. And uh it's funny, I was I was standing up there and I was listening to Tim speak, and actually it was God's words through Tim. And just every every point, he just Bird's eyed it. And I praise his name because God is good. That means that God is just, this is what he wants for us today. You know, a lot of us look for things to worship. Humanly speaking, we look for something to worship. We want to be able to worship something because our souls are longing to to just bow down. You know, it's funny. I was I was watching uh, the the second Minions movie, and it's funny because they start off and they do the little thing, and they start crawling up, and they're looking for they're looking for a boss, and uh, and they just keep going and keep going, but they can't find it. You know, worship when worship for me is something very very intimate. It's something very personal. Um. You know, God called me to do it. I was told by several people that I. If uh, music was the broadside of a barn, I would definitely not be able to hit it, much less sing it. And I praise God because I know every single Sunday that we're up there singing and worshiping, it is all God and not me. Um, Like I said, the world looks for something to worship. In the late 80s, I know that's going far back for some of you. In the late 80s, a song came out that was very, very popular. Uh, one of my very... Uh, I, I like his music. And, and a lot of people were using his song in their weddings. And they were like, my gosh, this is so personal. This is so just... It describes my, my feelings for my wife, or vice the verse, my, if you, my feelings for my husband. And it's just awesome. Because every breath that they take... Every move that they make, I want to be there watching them. And, and it's funny because I was, I, like I said, I, I, when I start listening to music, I, I tend to get into it. So I go back and I look at the, the, the background of what, what was uh, being sung. So this gentleman's song was, came out of, um, he was married and the friend of his wife lived next door. And he kind of liked her. And it was just, you know, and it went bad. So he wound up getting a divorce. But he had gone out to the country and he's like, you know what? I'm going to get away from it all. I'm going to write this song. I'm going to just sit down and write music. I I don't know. This man, he he gets a piano in every room and guitars laying around. And he sits down and he says, it just came to me. And he said he was thinking about his, his, his at that time, his, uh, I guess, lover. And he said it was a song, it was a kind of cruel song. Because he couldn't be with his, this girl that he liked. So it was a stalker song. It was every move I make, or every move you make, every breath you take, I will be watching you. And he said, I don't know why all these people use this for their wedding. It's a stalker song. Have you ever listened to the word? <laughs> Go figure. But he worshipped her. And they're still married today. Uh, I keep praying for him. I, I pray that God, God finds him. A couple of songs afterwards, he did, he did come about. I don't know if he's a believer. I pray that he is. Um, so, what is worship? You know, we come to church and we have—I'm sure the, the 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 ushers handed you a, a paper. And what is it? It's a worship folder. Ooh. We come to church today in the morning, and and we come to the worship service. If you ask people that are involved in the church, you ask a preacher, hey, what is worship to you? And what is he going to say? Or A preacher or an evangelist? And he's going to say, well, worship to me is God's word. Just the gospel spreading it out to to one and all. And, you know, that's that's worship. You ask a worship minister and they might say, it's that one song, that one hymn that really puts you in tune with God's spirit. You can ask maybe an usher or a nursery worker or a teacher on this campus or or the janitor. And they'll say, worship is the service that I do for the Lord when I come to church. So which one is it? You know, if you ask God, God, what is worship? He'll probably tell us it's all of that. It's all of that and much, much more. So what does it look like in the Bible? Because, I mean, our worship nowadays is totally different from what they used to do in the Bible. In Psalms 95, verses 1 through 6, it says... Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. David refers to worship. And he uses these terms. Shout. Raise your hands or lift your hands and spin around. Declare, proclaim, tell, praise, ascribe, or give to the Lord. And he calls us, come let us sing, kneel before, bow. If you're turning page over to Psalms 96, David continues. As all good worship leaders would. (laughs) Verses 1 through 4. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord. And most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. And then we'll jump down to verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. This too is worship. But you know, as a worship leader, you've really got to remember, I, There, there was a... Actually, I remember my dad and I, my dad was the pastor of, of church and I was an up and coming musician or worship leader called by God. And there was always that. There's always going to be the conflict. <laughs> pastor never has enough time to preach because that's important. And the worship leader never has enough time to sing because that's important. Um, but we've got to realize that worship is everything from the minute we walked in that door actually from the before we even walked through that door we should have already been in the frame of worship you know Taking that into context, we've got to realize that worship comes from a heart that serves, loves, knows God. Amen. But what if that heart doesn't know God? Or what if that heart kind of knows God? In the verses we just read, you'll notice that it said, he is to be feared. It says, tremble before him. Before we can fully understand worship, we need to understand this. Let's turn to Psalms 111. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Let me read that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what does that mean? If you want to have wisdom and you want to acquire it the proper way, you have to start at the beginning. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, a lot of times we're not used to hearing that. Because churches like to, you know, it's it's it draws in. More people, when you say, God is love. He loves us. His mercies are with us. He's always trying to bless us. What do they say? All you need is love. (laughs) And that's all well and good because God is love. But to talk about fearing God, To talk about who God really is, you have to encompass the whole thing. You have to understand the whole package of who God is. And God is God. You know, David... He wrote this out. He, 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 he put this in this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I always think it's, it's, it's nice to know. Should I stand in a different spot or this way? Right here? Okay. I like over here. <laughs> you know, it's always a nice barometer to, to see what... If you're teaching your kids about the word of the Lord, it's always nice to be able to see them echo it. Out afterward. So if you turn to first. Uh, Proverbs chapter one. Verse seven. Well, let's go ahead and start with Proverbs one. All the way through. Um, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline. For understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair. For Giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And I don't know about in your Bible, but in my Bible, this separates out. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, we heard that before, didn't we? That was what his dad told him. And then just to make sure that he got it, I'm sure his dad would, you know, remind him from time to time. And Solomon got it because he added his own. And said, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So not only did he get the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge He recognized that fools hate, despise wisdom and discipline. If we don't know God in his whole attributes, how can we worship him completely? How can we worship him wholeheartedly? Just a show of hands. How many know real fear? Real fear. might be bullets flying over your head. That's fearful. I don't care who you are. That scares. For me, I don't know. It's weird. I get up on a swing. I swing my legs. I get up. I'm thinking, man, this is great. I'm getting high up in the air. The minute I hit a spot, I don't know what it is. My body says, nope, we're not doing this. And I literally shut down. For other people, and this is, this is a big one. This is huge. For other people, it's water. <laughs> even, even walking over a pier that just has the slats on it, looking down and seeing the water underneath you and knowing that just, just the wood is holding you up. <sighs> okay, me too. <laughs> I went over the uh, Vincent Thomas Bridge this weekend, or this week, and, dear God, yes, I said, dear God. I was just going over, and it just just looked like the car was like, Lord, I'm coming, because there's no... I had a chance to listen to Francis Chan, and he he put it in such a term that I was like, "Oh, oh, my. So Francis Chan likes surfing. So he went out and surfed with his buddy. And this there there was these waves, these huge waves. And I guess he had just started learning to surf and he, or intermediate kind of thing. I don't know. There's only like a couple people that surf in here, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and when you get those waves that are like 10 feet tall and they're going, well, you paddle up. Yeah, I'm doing good. This is great. You get up on top and then you get over over the curl just a wee bit too much. And then your board just goes bloop. What happens? What goes up must come down. But not only are you going down, but that wave is coming over you. So it's pushing you down. Well. He was commenting on how he got pushed down and then another wave came in and he just got pushed down farther and then another wave and he got pushed down farther and the water was cold. He probably he had a a wetsuit on, but his appendages, his face, his hands, his feet were cold. He got to the point where he couldn't breathe anymore. He was like, I can't hold my breath. 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 And then he finally popped up. Just in the tone of his voice, I could tell there was sheer fear there. You know. We think, we hear about the fear of the Lord. But if you really look at it, look at Isaiah. Hmm. Chapter 6, verse 5 through 7. Isaiah the prophet, who was a man of God, came into the presence of God and he says, surely he is going to kill me because I am looking upon his presence. John, he fell at his feet like a dead man because he was in God's presence. Moses, Moses was just like, <laughs> no. Isaiah 44, verse 6 and 7. If you want to know what God is or who God is, what better way? Just listen to him describe himself. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord almighty. I am the first. I am the last. Apart from me, there is no other God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yet let him foretell what will come. God is just straight up saying. There is nobody like me. Those who try are dead where they stand. Fear God. But you know, this is is God here. And he he has everything planned out. Because in verse 8, he says, Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witness. Is there any God beside me? No. There is no other rock, I know not one. Isaiah as he was panicking, saying, Dear God, he's gonna kill me. I'm dead, I'm this is it, this is done. He says it isn't it hold on. Hold on. Let me take this coal from my altar and pass it across your lips. And you will be forgiven. John, in Revelations one seventeen, God told him, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I have you. God loves us. He made us with a purpose. He calls us His children." his friend, his bride. And he will protect us as such. This is a security that God promises us. This is why we need to know him. Could you imagine seeing God's presence? You go home tonight. You just came back from the supermarket. You picked up a loaf of bread that you forgot to pick up for, for the kids' lunches or for your lunch. And you're walking to your house in that nice little corridor. And then all of a sudden... God's right in front of you. There's not one person in this place that can say that would not change me. Cuz taking just a little bit of what we know about God and then seeing him in his full glory that is life changing. Proverbs 19:23 says the fear of the Lord gives life. So once we've de- decided to follow Jesus, now what? Now that we know who God is, what then? Well, He calls us to be on mission. Well, what does on mission mean? It sounds really good, doesn't it? I'm on mission. They use it as a slogan. I'm on mission. Are you on mission? Are you? You better be. You better be ready to go. Three weeks, buddy. What does it mean to be on mission? Well, when Jesus Christ rose from the grave, he walked around with his disciples, just letting everybody know he was still there. And then he went up to heaven, descend or ascended to heaven. But he commanded us to do Well, three basic things. He commanded us to go. He commanded us to obey. And he commanded us to teach others. Simply put, discipleship. And you know what's the best thing? God doesn't want us to do that by ourselves. Because how funny is it? Can you disciple yourself? Uh. Not really, unless you have a very nice, long mirror, tall. Then it's kind of weird because you don't get any interaction. No, God wants us to disciple each other. It takes two, if not more. Look around you. This is why God created the church. Because we are a part of this church. This is our fellowship. The church isn't the building that we're in. It's not these four walls. The church is us. Because we're together following him, spirit-filled. Amen? We are a part of something bigger than ourselves. A lot of people come to church and they say, oh, God, help me, fill me, do this for me. I want this. I want that. I need this. I need that. And, you know, God's standing there saying, yes, I know. I understand. Okay. Yes. How does that make you feel? (laughs) No. I mean, he does listen because he is God. But we are a part of something bigger than us. It's not about us. It's about everybody. So what does the church look like today? What, is, what, is, what does that look like today for us? What does fellowship look like for us today? Um, you know, it's funny because when you grow up, it's like, oh, fellowship. That's that's simple. We go upstairs. We go to the, what is it called? The Fellowship hall, because that's where all the fellowship happens. And then sometimes after services, and especially after Thanksgiving or right before Thanksgiving, we get to bring all these food in and we get to put it on the table, potluck style, family style. And we get to have the fellowship meal. Looking forward to that. Love that turkey. And a lot of churches have done that. That's what fellowship looks like to them. But it's not about that. Fellowship is the person that's sitting next to you. The mission we're on is we need to, to proclaim God's love together. That means all of us. You know, um, it's, it's like saying if, if someone were to go out to Boyle Heights and say, I'm going to go preach. And you go out and you preach the gospel and you do this. and you God is good. God is great. Wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> and that's all well and good. And they get the word and wonderful. And then you shake their hand and say, let me pray for you, brother. Let me pray for you, sister. You pray for them. Say, God loves you. And you turn around and you go to the next person. Well, that's a good, good job. But that's only half the job. The whole job, the whole mission that God is calling us for is to do it together. Because somebody can say, oh, well, are you really a Christian? And you can talk all you want so you're blue in the face and you can give them, oh, look, I've got these diplomas. I go to John MacArthur's uh, school. I've done uh, this at Hillsong. I've done, you know, all sorts of stuff. But that doesn't matter. Because when somebody comes into this church, when they walk through those doors and they look around and they see a lot of people who are sinners and a lot of people who have different ideas and a lot of people who have um, um, maybe not so easy to get along with kind of thing. And then it doesn't stop there because that's just human nature. Then we step up and we say, you know what? I've wronged you. Please forgive me. And the response is, brother, I already forgave you. Sister, I love you in the Lord. And then guess what? We fellowship together. How great a testimony of God's power, of God's calling, is that? That we, together, His church, His family. You know, how many times have we heard, um, I got this. I listen to preachings on the radio and I can watch TV. Just to let you guys know, there is a Hillsong channel now on TV, which my kids are like, really, Dad? Come on. Um, I read the Bible. I read all these wonderful books. I don't need to go to church. Because church is where I'm at. Because if I'm the church, church is where I'm at, right? Well, as the Pastor would say, that would be a misuse of the, the word. We have churches that go through the motions. And they can't reach out to these people. You know, we need to work together as a family, as one body. That's the fellowship. It's not something that just happens on Sunday mornings or Wednesday afternoons, evenings, it's a daily walk. Our worship is not a noun. What is it? It's a verb. Yes, English class. You guys are like, no, school's almost done. But worship is a verb, it's an action. It's active, not passive. It requires us to be involved. Worship needs to be three things. It needs to be intentional, as this is in Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Intentional. When you come to church, you come to church thinking, I want to worship the Lord. I'm looking to raise his name on high. I'm looking to see who I can serve in this congregation today. See, because if you come through those doors and you wait for God to show up, then you're just doing it wrong. Because Jesus Christ, those are the doors you have to come through first. We sang about he is the way, the truth and the life. That's the only way, the only way that we're going to get to the presence of the Lord, of God. Come through those doors before you come through these doors. has to be relevant. 1 Corinthians 9:22 I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And we can't just do it our way. It has to be God's way. We have to be obedient. Romans 12:1 <laughs> Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. You know, a perfect example of of both fellowship and worship working together. And I know you guys are going to freak out. It's communion. Communion. Yes, it's the thing that we do up in the fellowship hall. <laughs> it's communion. You know that um, a lot of churches today, what they do is when they do communion, they do it as a tag on sometimes. And I'm not saying that this is bad. This is just different ways that different churches do it. But communion has got to be something Intimate, something personal, something that God is asking us. Remember this, please. Please keep this in the forefront of your mind. This is the sacrifice that I did for you, for all of you, for your brothers and sisters. Come together right now over him. And that's two rules. So what do we do? My favorite was this: is I I, I looked at the, the Last Supper communion. Have you have you seen the Last Supper? The, the see if you guys are Hispanic, you guys would know because you, that that is mandatory. It's got to be in the. I can say that. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, so you have Da Vinci's Last Supper, and if you look at them, they're all one-dimensional. They're all there's a couple of them. Looking here, looking there. There's three here, three here, three here, and three here. And they're just kind of talking amongst each other, but they're doing one of these things. Hey, what's up? And Jesus is right in the center. What's the problem with that? Communion. I'll tell you. Everybody's looking forward. You know, they came in, they sat down, and I'm sure this isn't how it was because Jesus would not have stood for that. Because what is communion? Have you ever seen or have you, do you remember having dinner with your family nowadays or back in the day and it was a round table? The more, the merrier. Oh, my goodness. It's like a, a watch out. You know, if you have teenagers or if you had teenagers, what happens? You sit down at the table, Thanksgiving, everyone's like you see the hands moving, faster than anything. And then this interaction. It's like, throw me the rolls. Did you hear about this? Oh no, did you hear about that? Oh, did you know that so and so was doing this? Oh no, 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 no. just back and forth. There's an interaction. There's people talking about life. It's what we're doing. So if your worship is separate from your life, then guess what? It's not happening right. Your worship has to be in unison with your life so that when we come around the communion table, pastor doesn't have to say, hey, make sure to do your God talk. Talk about spiritual topics. And he does that. (laughs) Talk about spiritual topics. No, there's no need for that. You know why? Because someone's going to sit down and say, Oh, good, he stopped talking. Hey, how's your mom? How's she doing? How's your dad? Is he okay? How's your husband? We were praying for him. Did he get his test results back? Oh, I've had such a hard time at work. Can you pray for me, please? It just happens natural. A lot of times, the churches nowadays, we just get lost. People will hide in communion, serve their communion, and get out. I punch my time clock, I'm good to go. John 15, 12 through 14. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That one laid down his life for his friends. Do you imagine that? Could you imagine how Jesus felt? He was sitting there right in front of of his friends, his disciples, and said, hey. If. Your friend gives his life for you. He loves you. And they didn't even know that their friend in a couple of hours was going to give his life for them. And not only for them, but for us. You know, fellowship and communion. Fellowship and worship. Well, it's like God says. It's everything. It has to be. So the call is. We need to stop attending the church. Or coming. And we need to start being the church. I know it sounds kind of radical. Going back to the 70s. Where they would sing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you experience it. Come on, help me out. Spread his love. love. What else? Tell everyone. You want to pass it on. on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Because I can never remember the numbers of the songs. (laughs) But that's how it is. That's how it is with God's love. We want to spread it around. We want to pass it on. Hebrews 13. Verses 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You know, I, I had a whole mess of more notes. But that dang worship leader, man, takes up too much time. <laughs> but I leave you with this. Another one you guys can help me out on I'm sure you guys remember this one. Um, if I can remember. Dave, you want to help me out? Thank you. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray. Father, today is the day that you've given us to worship you today, Father. Today is the day that you've prepared opportunities for us to go out and be on mission. To go out and spread your gospel. To go out and give testimony of what worship looks like of you, of the one true God. Today is another day that we remember the sacrifice that you committed for us, Father. Lord, help us to put into action our fellowship with others, Father. With our brothers and sisters here in church, Father. Help us to put in action our worship of you, Father God. Help us not be stagnant. Help us not to just sit soak and sour, Father. Help us to live and thrive of you as as you have asked us to do, Father. Help us to give good, healthy fruits so that you can enjoy the harvest, Father God. Lord, I thank you because you have called us with a purpose I thank you Lord because you've included us in your plan I thank you Lord because each one of us is a member of your bride is a member of your family Lord as we leave here today let us not leave your presence Father Let us be continually in fellowship with you, Father God. And remember our brothers and sisters and be in fellowship with them. Let it not just be a Wednesday or Sunday thing. Let it be a daily thing. We ask all of this in your precious and holy name. God's people say, amen. You are dismissed.